real life superpowers. My father always told me one sentence since I was very young. One sentence. He said, everywhere you go, always be the hardest worker in the room. Everywhere. And I'm trying, like, you know, my parents are also my mentors. We share a lot of our experiences. And I really, really try to do it in my, in my career, in my day-to-day -day life, both in, in, in business and in, uh, you know, in my personal life. Always trying to be the hardest worker in the room, and hopefully until now it paid uh, paid off, and I hope uh, it will also pay pay off even more in the future. Welcome to the Real Life Superpowers podcast. I'm Noah Eshed here with Renan Manipaz. Today we have the pleasure of hosting Asaf Yanai, a visionary entrepreneur and the co-founder and CEO of Alison AI. With a track record of turning ideas into reality, Asaf has left a lasting mark on the tech landscape, with Alison AI being the third company Asaf founded after successfully selling two tech startups he's built in previous years. Let's delve into his mind. Real Life Superpowers Asaf, welcome to Real Life Superpowers. Hey, Asaf. Hi, hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. And I'm happy to be here. So it's not usual days here in Israel. How much uh, are you feeling the impact on your startup? Not, not easy days, uh, to say the least. I think uh, the past uh, few weeks have been very difficult for... Um, every company in Israel, um, I think startup companies even more so. Um, you know, there's, there's a conception that, um, that bigger companies, because they move slow, because they have a lot of resources, so a small crisis that does not affect them. However, I think that um, both, you know, bigger companies and startup companies are affecting almost in the same, uh, same way in this situation. Uh, you know, we all have employees that are in reserves uh, duty. We all have um, employees that their husbands are in reserve duty. They don't have solutions uh, for the kids, kindergartens, schools, etc. Obviously, it, it, affects, um, it affects the business. However, I think because we're a global company and because uh, 99% of our customers are either in the US or uh, Europe, so in terms of the business, the you know uh, revenues, the, the the business goals, our advancement in the business is less affected. Um, uh, but yeah, still, I think if it will if it will take um, uh, longer, if it will take a long a lot more time, um, and if this crisis would evolve to be a year long crisis or even two year long crisis like we're seeing in Ukraine then I think that the impact would be even greater. Um, some people likes to, like to put numbers, uh, percentages, how much we're affected and you know, how much capacity we're able to accommodate this, this crisis. I think right now um, we were, I would say, 20% affected um, and probably 80% business as usual. Um, 
but we're we're resilient people and we're trying to um to overcome all of those uh challenges and we're also looking into solutions how we can minimize um and decrease the the level of impact uh, and i'm sure i'm sure we'll we'll be able to do it but there's definitely an impact what what do you see like we're a special country everybody does duty here meaning there's 100% people going to observe duty and and involved and secondly it, you know a war isn't part of the business plan probably when you started off so like what did you do differently now to adapt forget about where the clients are but the psychology in the company or the culture like what what did you do differently yeah also we needed to act uh, fast we needed to move fast and we needed to take uh, different measures quickly so the impact would be as minimal as possible so instead of doing i can give you a few examples instead of doing a, a weekly call with a team we're doing a daily daily call uh, we dedicate the first uh, half of the call to hear you know how our employees doing how the families are doing if the the, the situation has affected them you know personally or affected their family we're trying to be a supportive group and a supportive um, system for for all of our employees um so this is one two we're also doing um some uh, sessions with uh, mentors and psychologists with little tricks and and um um and um you know movements or uh, pro- processes that will help us cope better with the situation but i can tell you that um the employees they really appreciate it um and we thought kobe is my partner and myself we thought that the the employees won't really want it because it's difficult times and they don't have times for their for their kids so why should they have an hour to speak to a, a psychologist or a mentor um but i think we we saw that it was exactly the opposite um they really appreciated it and they really they're really looking for uh the mental um support and we're trying to provide it as much as uh, as much as we can although we're still a small company and you know every type of uh, physical uh, psychological support comes with a lot of uh business tasks and business requirements so you have to navigate and balance between the two um but there's definitely measures that we're trying to to help the employees with now in terms of the business itself yeah i agree with you one one thing that we also did and i it was very important for me to do it look although we're a global company we're we're an israeli company first and as founders as employees we're all israeli um and a lot of uh, you know people around the world at least in the first few weeks they had no idea what's going on they just heard from the news and you know it looked like chaos is running israel and you know things are hectic here so it was also important for us to to deliver convey the message directly from us to our customers saying that yeah these are difficult times uh for for the israeli people um it's difficult times for um you know for the citizens it is it's difficult times for the economy and for the for the country but at the same time we work uh, as usual um we're trying to um make ourselves available to our customers you know even during weekends and nights and evenings wh- whenever we can just to make sure that they understand that we're here for them although we're having our own crisis back here we're still very much available for for everybody and 
you know, looking to support them, even in those challenging times. Do you feel that the fact that this is your third startup is in, in a sense helping you navigate the challenges, even though I think nobody imagined such challenges, but still, like, do, do you see um, some added value to the fact that you're experienced? I think so. I think so. Um, because it's very easy to fall into this situation and just get stuck with it and trying to, you know, figure out ways to overcome and kind of a rabbit hole that you, you, you keep circling yourself with. Um, so I think, yeah, my, my, my experience has definitely helped me, you know, stay focused on the business, which I think is difficult in those times. And at the same time, provide the mental support the mentorship the guidance to all of our employees to help them cope with the situation um, and i think um, founders or ceos with less experience would probably try to do quick fixes and fall into specific areas uh, of the crisis and kind of forget about the others um, and yeah let's not forget uh, us as founders as ceos we're also humans Um, and we're also Israeli. So everything our, our employees feel, we feel it exactly the same way. Um, so I think the founder's job or the CEO job in, in, in those types of crises is even more challenging because it's not just about maintaining the business and making sure the employees are, you know, surviving and, and, and you know, keeping their head above the water, but also... make sure that we can balance between our own needs and our own difficulties and the business ones. So this, this startup that you're in is in AI right now. So, so how do you see AI uh, in, in, in um, I know that this isn't like what the startup is about, but if you see AI right now, how do you think AI can, uh, can inv- like, how do you see AI involved in war, let's say right now? Like what, what kind of features would you see like, uh, That's going to change in the next time that something will happen. Yeah, it's a very good question. I think there's a lot of different applications, um, uh, commercial applications that can really help um, the war efforts and can really help intelligent efforts. We just need to, to figure out how to do it um, properly and successfully. I can tell you that um, it's, it's kind of a secret, um, but we're already working with uh, some of the security um, parties, the security bodies within Israel, uh, to help them use our technology and help them use our AI, like you've mentioned, to um, come up with better intelligence uh, quicker um, and have a, a better understanding and insights towards what's really going on. We, we focus on a video analysis. Um, and I'm sure you've, you've seen all, all over the social networks, uh, videos are exploding right now. We see a lot of fake news. We see a lot of just regular um, horror, uh, terror videos. We see kidnap videos. We see just, you know, regular people um, commenting about the situation and giving their perspective. Uh, but at the same time, let's not forget that, you know, it's, it's, it's times of war. And probably some of those people who are posting, they have a, a connection or a relation to, let's say, the terrorist acts. So what we're doing or what we're trying to help with Allison is use our technology to analyze uh, videos online, mainly on social platforms, to be able to understand um, 
who's engaging, who's actually um, viewing those uh, creatives, who, who videos, who's clicking it, um, and what are the uh, repercussions, what are the actions that people are taking after they've seen the, the video. Um, and this is something Allison can, can really help. And we're already working with some, some governmental bodies to, to help them. And I can tell you that it's already a, it's already a success and we're doing it uh, free of charge. We're allocating all of our, uh, all the resources we can to help with, the, with those efforts. Let's talk about the fake, fake uh, videos. Something about the internet right now is, um, you know, the, the quantity of content right now is actually dumbing down um, the quality of content. Uh, that's on one hand. Um, it'll probably get better, but in the AI sense, not only that, there's a lot of fake or even deep fake, or, you know, like things going on. Um, is there any way that you could see like a startup like yours categorize that in large scales? Meaning, let's say like having a, a blue star for anything that is real and, you know, a red star for whatever is not real. It's like, do you see that as something that your business is going to do? Yeah, this, I, I must say this is not our core, core value proposition. I mean, in, in the business world, this use case is is not really a valid use case uh, for a lot of companies. They don't really care if it's real or not, or they're not really exposed to the fake stuff. Um, but because we're doing with uh, um, visual analysis, we are able to uh, tell exactly when we see a couple of videos, two, three, ten, a million videos, we can say exactly what's the origin and if those videos are identical or not. So we can definitely, our technology can definitely identify between fake videos or deep fake and non-deep fake. Uh, we use uh, 10 different layers of analysis. So it's, it's not just sound and it's not just um, uh, music and it's not just facial expressions and emotions and, and, and characters or uh, specific backgrounds and edits that people are doing in the videos in order to make them fit into a fake mode. Um, so we're able to take all of those um, layers into consideration and, and understand when a, when a video is, is fake or not. And this is also one thing we're helping with the governmental bodies um, identify. I think that within two years, around 40% of the videos that we see online will not be produced by people. Those will be produced by generative AI models for video, for visuals. So obviously because this is the future and as a startup company and because we have to look into the future and not stay with, with, with the present or the past. And I think this is the content accuracy that uh, we should be looking into, uh, let's say in the next two years from now. Asaf, I love how you're thinking in an innovative way and trying to reverse uh, engineer almost the future in order to be able to pave a roadmap towards it. And, and I'm also, I, I like the passion that you speak about what you're doing um, and, and your enthusiasm. And I also think that the spirit um, that you were detailing with respect to volunteering these days and using your tech uh, for a community is something that's really beautiful and, um, and we're seeing across the board, across startups. And having said all that, I'd love to sort of zoom out and try to understand your, your, your journey leading to this. Like, did you always think you would be an entrepreneur? How did you end up starting your own companies? 
Yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. And you know, when when I when I speak um, about my role at Allison, a lot of people they don't ask me those questions because they focus on on again they focus on the present and they focus on now and on Allison. But I'm also working with a lot of different um, early stage uh, founders, trying to help them, mentor them, and and guide them through the process based on my humble uh, experience. Um, yeah, I I was actually born into this, um, to be honest. Um, my parents are both entrepreneurs, one of the first ever entrepreneurs uh, in Israel. They founded the startup company 35 years ago, a technology startup company before technology was even before it was even exist. That is very unique. Uh, in Israel, yeah. And, and you know, growing up to this, and by the way, uh, my parents, um, they, uh, they're still married, happily married, but they also work together as, as co-founders and co-CEOs for the past 35 years. What was the technology? Like, what was the startup? So it's not really a startup anymore. Um, it's called BDI. Um, it's a it's a it's a business uh, information and, and credit insurance company here in Israel. Maybe if you go to the bank and you want to take a mortgage, then they tell you that they they look up the BDI platform and it gives them the indication if if they can give you a a mortgage, yes or no, and if so, what should be the rates and the fees, etc. Um, so yeah, they founded a company 35 years ago. It was a SaaS company before again SaaS was was even invented. Um, but I think what's more interesting is that I grew up in this high-paced, extreme professionalism, extreme, uh, ca- extremely charismatic um, um, family or or you know landscape where I saw my parents. Um, you know, contemplating and, and, and discussing all of their business issues, management issues, business issues, growth issues, crisis management, everything, you know, basically you, you, you take everything back home um, and you speak about it, you know, with, with the family. And uh, we were, I'm, I'm the oldest, so I, I was a big part of it, but we were all a very big part of, of, their, of their entrepreneurial career and history. And I think... Looking at the parent and my parents, looking at the family, and also seeing the success gave me a lot of uh, motivation and a lot of encouragement to also try and do it myself. Um, and one more thing, I think a lot of a lot of people are afraid from uh, negative outcomes. They're afraid of 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 not being successful. They're afraid of what if what if the startup won't grow? What if we'll fail, etc. So I think this is always an option. This is always an option. Everything we do, we might fail. And if you understand this and you're coming from a, a knowledgeable approach that you know it, you know that you might fail, but you know also what you sh- what you think you know what you should be doing in order to succeed and not fail. And I think if you focus exactly on this and kind of not thinking about how, how we can fail, um, I think this is another big thing that can really uh, help a lot of entrepreneurs and motivate them and, and keeping the, the eyes on the prize, as we say, keeping focus and just making sure that we're um, working as hard as, as we can. One last thing is that my father uh, always told me uh, one sentence since I was very young. 
one sentence. He said, everywhere you go, always be the hardest worker in the room. Everywhere. And I'm trying, like, you know, my parents are also my mentors. We share a lot of our experiences. And I really, really try to do it in my, in my career, in my day-to-day life, both in, in, in business and in, uh, you know, in my personal life always trying to be the hardest worker in the room and hopefully until now it paid uh, paid off and i hope uh, it will also pay pay off even more in the future we're excited to be collaborating with the israeli website ctech owned by kalkalist israel's leading business newspaper ctech is the gateway of the israeli high tech to the tech world and vice versa if you're not already a regular reader we strongly recommend that you check out kalkalistech.com c-a-l-c-a-l-i-s-t-e-c-h.com to stay up to date on all high impact stories from the Israeli tech scene what was the secret for two people living together working together okay you probably saw a lot of crises you know like you know partners is difficult uh, let alone outside the house you And, and he was also saying, my parents are married, but they were also co-founders. And, and it's, it's totally obvious. It's hard enough being a partner and it's hard enough being married. Exactly. What, what was the secret there? What did you learn from that? So I think it's a lot of respect, uh, respect to each other and, and giving each, each other the, the, the room to navigate your own space and your own uh, you know, roles and responsibilities within the company. So I think... Uh, defining exactly what each one is doing and the, the, the roles of each one is crucial but then also defining a, a crisis uh, management uh, a solution environment or a crisis management platform when whenever we have a discussion or a misagreement misalignment how do we solve it uh, and I've seen my parents you know at home going back after work and just sitting together and discussing for hours talking and Sometimes arguing, sometimes not, sometimes everything is, is happy and sometimes you know, it, it goes back and forth. But I think defining uh, the, the roles of responsibilities and providing respect and room for even room for error. You know, again, all of us are making mistakes and, it's, and we're learning from mistakes. So uh, obviously we wish uh, we, we had never made mistakes, right? We wish everything was a success first, first time. But this is not really the case and once we understand this and we understand that this is a, a, a regular part of the business life making mistakes and, and and learning from it quickly and adjusting quickly and if you as partners and as, as co-founders or as co-CEOs if you provide each other with this leeway with this um, uh, enough space to navigate then I think you're empowering each other rather than putting each other down. And being an entrepreneur is so difficult. Did your parents encourage you? Were they happy when they saw that you're continuing that path? Because sometimes parents, uh, having experienced uh, some profession or you know, some, some, um, some path, there's a lot of parents that I hear that are telling their children, do anything but that. So I'm wondering, and, and entrepreneurship is, is so broad and so challenging. Did they want to spare you those difficulties or were they encouraging on that path? Absolutely. They tried as hard as they can to spare me from, from, from all of it. Tried try to spare me from the uh, entrepreneurial um, lifestyle because it's, it's completely different than just working for a company. Um, they've, they've been trying to, um, uh, to spare me from the risks. 
Your dad just wanted you to be the hardest working employee and, and climb up that ladder, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, I think that they definitely try to spare me. I, I can't say if they're happy, you know, that I'm, that I'm doing it or not, but I'm, I'm sure they're proud. Even now, because, you know, you already had, this is your third company, you sold the previous two, so you would think by now they maybe would sort of be more at ease with, with your journey. You know, I'm also a parent, and I think as, as parents, we, we're never at ease, right? We're always worried, we're always concerned, we're, we're always thinking, what will happen if... Um, and I think they're, they're still trying to, to help me see the, the other side. I, I think that, you know, working for a big company and just being successful with your own career, even if you're not an entrepreneur and even if it's not your own company, it's completely fine. Um, and it's, it's perfect for a lot of people. And you might still have the, the, the financial freedom. You might still have the, the success, the respect from, from the community. Um, but I think, again, again, for me, it was never a question, never. Even I remember my first company I've ever worked for, I knew, I knew that I'm just learning, I'm getting, gathering experience, I'm taking everything I can from the companies I'm working for um, to later on utilize and implement everything I've learned with my own companies, yeah. So how many companies did you do that research on before you went your own way? <laughs> So yeah, I've worked for a, I've worked for a couple of companies uh, before I founded the first company. Um, and as you mentioned, we we sold uh, our first company. I was one of the co-founders. We sold it in 2016. Um, and even after we sold the first company, I was still eager eager to 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 learn more and do more. I was still very young. Um, so. Uh, one month after we finalized the deal and we sold the company, one month after I joined uh, two other entrepreneurs that are also experienced, and we founded uh, the, the second company together that was also acquired uh, two and a half years after. Um, so, you know, you always learn. You always learn from your mistakes. You always learn from um, from the companies that you uh, develop or, or founded. You always will learn from... The companies that you work for but one thing i i felt after working for a few companies and after uh, founding two of my previous companies one thing i've learned is that it was all um small to medium size meaning um i didn't have experience working for enormous companies or very big companies, big brands, uh, publicly traded companies, you know, with, let's say, hundreds of millions of dollars of revenues. This was new to me. And I knew that if I want to create and I want to uh, succeed my own company and, and, and get my own company to those levels and those standards, I have to first learn how you know, learn from other people's mistake and how other companies that are already solidified, how they, they're doing it. So I was lucky to work for for a few, uh, two big companies that are very global and they have a lot of, um, a lot of different uh, business units and different perspectives towards how you can really maintain and grow a big company. And I think this is the first thing I'm implementing at Allison. I'll tell you that from almost the first month of Allison, we already have paying customers. We already had a, a running platform. Even before we had our rounds of investments, even before we had our big team, even before we had anything, we had two founders 
two team members and few 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 clients and and already a running saas platform and i think this really this understanding that you have to move quickly and attack the market um as as soon as you can okay to avoid mistakes and to learn quicker and and adopt along the way i think this is something that definitely i i learned in my previous experience not necessarily in the companies i co-founded but companies i worked for and i'm trying to uh implement everything i've learned uh, at alison but also uh save myself and save alison from from mistakes um and 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 unnecessary time that sometimes people are you know dwelling into a specific thing and they can really uh, avoid it so i'm trying to avoid what i can and on the other side utilize and implement the learnings and the insights i've gathered along along my career and you you grew up in a sort of entrepreneurial lab so how did you know that that is not necessarily enough and that there's still a lot that you should learn from people who are not your parents uh, so it's another good question so um yeah i learned it from my parents uh the hard way which is uh you don't they they always kept telling me you know since i was very young you don't know what you don't know so that means that you have to look sideways you have to look outside of the box you have to constantly keep thinking and innovating and i think even my parents you know as, as much as they are very successful there's a lot of things that they don't know and a lot of things that they also might be missing um so relying solely on my parents as mentors and my parents as knowledge center i i knew that it's it, it will not give me the full picture it will not give me everything i need it might give me a good portion but not everything i need so um yeah i've 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 learned it you know with with my uh with my experience but another thing i can say is that sometimes you work for for companies you work on big projects you work on big things that you've never done before and you know it, it opens a, a completely new horizon it opens a completely new space for you and that you weren't you was you weren't familiar with uh before and uh we say it, it dropped the penny uh in a way i mean it it helped me realize um while i was working for those projects it helped me realize that i have no clue and i have to just you know use my brains use my intelligence and use the skills i have to uh do on the job training and and try to to do it quickly and efficiently so yeah what advice would you give to somebody who is sitting in a cubicle uh maybe listening to this and is not happy and feels like they want to do their own thing How should they go about it? How, do, how does one even start or know that it's time or that they should in the first place? First, I'll say that it looks easy. We, we mainly hear about the success. We mainly hear about the exits. We mainly hear about people getting ridiculously rich and they're so successful and we share a lot of respect to, but we don't really hear about the, the pitfalls and the, the, the fails, the failures and you know, the difficult things things um that involve being an entrepreneur and founding your own company one thing i've i can tell you i saw a terrible statistic terrible um i think 50% of entrepreneur married entrepreneurs that are successful 
um, they're ending up divorced. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Wait, let me understand the statistic. Fifty percent of married people that are entrepreneurs become divorced. Once their companies become successful, they get divorced. But that's fifty percent of people are getting divorced anyways. So I, I, it's sort of like the same statistic, you know what I mean? Like 50% of couples worldwide are divorced. So 50% of those entrepreneurs are also divorced, you know what I mean? It's like, I, it's sort of, I'm not shocking, I'm, maybe it's not the company, maybe it's the model of, of marriage, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> this is a different topic, I, I, <laughs> I agree with you, this is a completely different topic, but let me try to, to explain. Okay. Um, for every, I think for every 10,000 companies or for every 1,000 companies, there's one startup company. So the pool of, of startups is a lot less than the pool of, you know, bigger companies. And the pool of founders is significantly less than the pool of just employees or whatever. That means that you have, you have to understand that once you get into founding your own startup, there's a 50% chance that if the startup is successful, you will lose your marriage. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's what I'm saying. I think I think it's 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 a terrible statistic. I'm saying it because people need to think about all the consequences and all the aspects of founding a company. Okay, the the personal um, impact I'm telling you is a lot more than people uh, think, and a lot more than people are 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 exposed to as CEOs and as founders. We are very lonely. Um, we share um, a lot of um, a lot of difficulties and a lot of crises. And basically, you know, we have more than thirty employees at Allison. We have close to forty. And imagine, I know every single one of them, and I they they share my they they share their their problems. They share their difficulties with me. And I have my own problems, so to speak. And the company has its own problems. So as again, as founders, as CEO, there's a lot of variables you take into you should be taking into consideration. And I think it should be a, a, a thoughtful process, not just jumping into funding a company, even if you have an, an amazing idea, because the idea is only probably twenty percent or ten percent of the, the company's ability to succeed. Other 90 or 80% is your ability to navigate and your ability to manage and your ability to execute um, all those, um, um, you know, uh, great ideas that you have and navigate crises and, you know. Let me challenge you on that yeah. because, because I agree with what you're saying. Uh, most entrepreneurs do. Um, but your parents said to you that you don't know what you don't know, meaning you can't take all the variables of, you know, okay, I'm, you know, like if you, I'm not going to take this wife or this partner as a partner because I'm scared of losing them in the process, right? Because you don't know what you don't know, right? So the, um, the intimidation is that person in the cubicle right now is hearing this and saying, listen, the, the, the amount of loss here is very big, right? But you also said, and like this is the brilliant side of what you said, is you're also saying about navigation, so what would you tell that same cubicle person about navigating that? Because they're probably going to be, let's say, they're probably either going to get divorced or have a problem with the, with the partner or have a, you know, a big problem financially in the company, and it's inevitable, right? So what, are, what do you do by navigating that? 
Yeah. So I think first is like like I mentioned uh, regarding my parents. First is uh, understanding the roles of, and responsibilities within your space. Okay. So let's say you have a co-founders, you have a wife or a family, you have employees. You have to understand what are the necessary resources, the necessary measurements or measures that everyone of those roles should have. And this is the navigation I'm, I'm speaking about. Like, you know, if you found a company and let's say uh, your uh, partner is 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 um, is also, you know, has his own career or whatever, then, you know, you should be speaking about, okay, how should we manage and how should we balance or how should we allocate the tasks between us? How should we allocate the the, the um, working hours between us how should we what should we do in case of business trips or if we stay longer hours in the office how do we you know respect and support each other in this process and it goes the same for employees um, defining and, and and aligning with the employees on what is expected from them and what is uh, uh, required and what is a nice to have and also um, understanding the there's, there's gonna be there's always gonna be challenges always it's not gonna be an easy road the people the founders that are saying yeah I, I founded a company and I immediately succeeded and blah 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 I think that's bullshit sorry I think there's there's no such thing it's it's sugar coating and trying to paint a, a very nice uh, uh, painting a very nice story so and again try to consult with as many people as you can as many seasoned, experienced founders as you can, those that can tell you the truth and those that can tell you the, the hardships and the pitfalls they had so you can learn from other people's mistakes and not do the same mistakes on your own. Um, two is try to learn, read, listen to podcasts exactly like this one and others, listen to podcasts, read a lot of material, try to read about success stories and then difficult stories or challenges that com other companies had and then try to take it for your yourself and implement everything you can on your own personal experience and, and, and road, let's put it this way. And it did circle back to the fundamentals that you learned at home, I was hearing, especially with respect to the respect and the alignment of expectations, which is, which is really interesting to see the core uh, that you grew up from. What would you say your superpower is? So I've said I've said it before uh, in in a different setting, but also in this one, I I really think that that one of my superpowers is the hard work uh, that I put in, uh, not just doing the hours, but also you know trying to make every day count, but for real, not as a slogan. Uh, try to make an impact every single day. I wake up in the morning, I try to think, okay, what did I achieve yesterday, and what I want to achieve today. And I do it every single day, every single day. And I'm not giving myself up and I'm not trying to give myself some, some slack uh, because this is where it gets even more challenging. When you give yourself slack and then, okay, let's just go, go with the flow. Let's try to do our best. No, we do like a, um, an, a, a po po I do a post-mortem analysis every day. Every day, I do a post-mortem analysis of my past week versus the upcoming week, my past man month uh, versus the upcoming month, my you know past 15 years of experience uh, versus the next 15 years, but also yesterday versus today. 
what did I lose yesterday? What did I win yesterday? And how I make it better today? It sounds like your superpower is also self-management. You do that well. You agree? I agree. Yes, I think so. I hear it from a lot of people. Um, and I can, I can give you another example that might be a little funny. You know, the day is very hectic for everybody, entrepreneurs especially. The day is crazy. When I am at work, I have a million things to work on. I go back home. I still have the million things to work on, but then I have another million things on my mind. And at least, again, it's funny, I think, but at least for me, um, shower time. This is, you know, alone time. This is me time. This is quiet time. And, and for me, this is an, an, an incredible opportunity to think, think about new ideas, think about things that I've, I've done wrong, things, think about outside of the box, about things I want to achieve. And the secret is I have a small whiteboard in my shower with a water-resistant uh, marker. Seriously, seriously. So every time I... I Every time I'm taking a shower, instead of going back into the room and writing on a little uh, notebook or typing into my computer, because I don't want to get my uh, thoughts uh, lost in the way, so I write everything down during my shower. And when I finish the shower, I go back and I put it in my task list. I, I love that. And I also want to circle back to the post-mortem uh, that you were detailing, because it's very interesting to me that you would use the word mortem and yet... You weren't using it in a morbid way. And it's also in Stoicism, they talk about how every second that's passed is a second that, that is dead. It's, it's just what life is. And it's really interesting to see that analysis that you're doing in, in what sounds Stoic in order to be able to create the future based on those moments that died. What, what would you say your weakness, your kryptonite is? This is another good, a good question, and I think because I'm doing a, a constant uh, post-mortem analysis every single day, uh, I also discover some, you know, some weaknesses, and I also discover some some challenges that I have to cope with myself. Um, I think one of them, and I think every entrepreneur has it, is kind of falling in love with a, with an idea, or falling in love with a, with a new project or a new feature or a new tool that you want to do or a new type of technology. Um, it's definitely one of my uh, weaknesses. I might say that I'm a bit of a visionary, although I, I think I'm, I'm a good uh, execution person, but I'm also very visionary. Um, I can think long term. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm playing chess uh, since I can remember myself. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but this is definitely something um, I can I can see as a weakness, and I'm already trying to um, you know to work this thing out and and try to work with myself, not to um, not to fall in love with with crazy or or even not crazy, but good ideas. But take it step by step. Do a a, 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 a considerate um, manage process towards new ideas. And this is my way of, of uh, challenging or coping with it. And the other weakness I think I have is um, that sometimes um, we are, um, like, like I said, we don't know what we don't know. So we're trying to focus on the data that we do have and what we do know. 
but this is exactly the i think the challenge or the weakness of looking at the present instead of looking at the future so i i also you know i'm i'm in a way i'm also a data analyst myself or an analyst myself and i love data i love to look at the data and then try to squeeze insights and digest it into things i can use um and i think one of the biggest things is say okay i don't have data so i don't know what i should do next i i i know what I should do next only based on the data that I do have. And I think this is a mistake because even, you know, even with AI models, right? Every model is not, is, is not never based on a hundred percent accuracy. Never. You have, let's say 80% data and then you take the 80% data and you do a hundred percent of it, but you never have the full data. So it's also important to, um, understand that you don't have all the data and try. Try use the data that we do have. Try to um, compile the other um, missing areas of data into uh, tasks and useful action items that you can try and do to see if, uh, if you were right or wrong and also um, adjust quickly. You know, people at startups say uh, hire fast, uh, fire faster. You know this. Uh, phrase, I think for uh, for personal management, it's even more important to act fast, very fast, because it's easy to dwell on an area that you're not certain of, you're not sure, you want to investigate, you want to try, you want to see and test. It's very easy to, to fall into this, but a more important thing is to cut the flesh. Just if you have something that you see it's not working well and you've already dedicated enough hours just put it aside and and try another thing yeah sort of not becoming too pot committed exactly pot committed is a, i see you like poker but yeah pot committed is a very i actually uh, don't but i'm aware of the term <laughs> <laughs> so i want to wish you to keep playing chess with life and growing daily <laughs> I think it's pretty rare. We hear a lot of people who have daily rituals, but I still think it stands out the fact that you're always analyzing what you already did and then looking towards the future strategically. I think that's a really interesting blend of approaching different layers of life. And I think we'll be waiting to read about uh, the, the IPO or exit or whatever you decide to, that will be your uh, checkmate on uh, Allison uh, b before your next adventure. Maybe we'll read it in BDI. Thanks, Asaf. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a wonderful conversation. And I think you, you have a wonderful thing going on. Um, so kudos to you and, and keep up the good work. And it's, uh, it's, it's definitely one of the top, uh, top podcasts. And, um, let me know if I can be any, any useful or resource in the future. Much appreciated. Thank Thanks, you very man. much. Thank you guys. Thank you. That's all for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please consider subscribing to our podcast. So you never miss an episode. Also, if you have a moment, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and review our podcast on the platform you're listening to. This will help others find our show. And as always, if you know anyone who you think would enjoy our podcast, please share it with them. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back as usual on the first of the month. Real. Live. Superpowers.
time. Superpowers.